Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, everyone. Good to be with you again. Mothers, young people, and even children. Oh, I hope I have some children listening today. Now, children, any of you listening, put up your hand. Oh, I wish I could see you. I love to have the children listening. So I hope you are with us today too. Now, I am going to begin a new series today. And it is called God Loves Togethering. And each time I share with you, I usually find that it begins a series because we can never talk about it all in just one podcast There is always so much to talk about, and there's so much in this wonderful subject of togethering. God did not create us for isolation. God created us for connection, for community, for fellowship. He wants us to be a together people, not isolated individuals. And I want to reveal this to you from the Word of God. And guess where it starts? Can you believe it? In the very first verse in the Bible. Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. God. The word is Elohim. It's a plural word for God. It's not singular. It's speaking of God in the plural, the triune God. And God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, dwell together in harmony and unity. And they are one but not an isolated one, but three in one, communicating together. And then, of course, we read how God created man in his image. Now we go down to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, same chapter, first chapter in the Bible. And God said, Let us... Make man in our image, after our likeness. So we see again how God is revealing that he is not just an isolated one, but one in three in communication and harmony and unity. And uh, all the previous accounts of the creation creating the world It says, and God said, and when he said, it came into being. But now when he comes to create male and female, he doesn't only say the words, uh, just let it be. No, he says, let us. It's a personal thing. When he comes to create man, it is very personal. And we also see again this uh, community, even in the Godhead. 
And so God created us in his image. He created us to be someone who communicates. Firstly, he created us to communicate with him, to be able to fellowship with him. God longs for fellowship. He desires fellowship. But he also created us to fellowship with one another. He did not create us to be isolated beings. And that's why he created marriage. Marriage is the most beautiful thing for communication. You have one special person who is closer than anyone else in this earth that you can communicate with. You can share your heart. You can, you can just share what you wouldn't share with anyone else. And God gives this beautiful privilege. It was his divine plan that we would have this wonderful fellowship and communication in marriage. But then it extends into family. And our families are meant to be homes of communication, of fellowship of togetherness, and uh, we must remember that in our building of our families, the building of our homes, we create fellowship with one another. We create communication. That's why we have the table. We've been talking about that in the last couple of podcasts of how important it is to come around the table and communicate. It's a great place for communication. But this wonderful revelation of truth that begins in the first chapter of Genesis, it it goes right through, just winding itself throughout the whole of the Word of God, right up until the last book, the book of Revelation. And we see it again. We see it in Revelation 3.20 when Jesus was writing to the church of Laodicea. And uh, he says in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. That is the most beautiful picture of communication. When God comes into our lives, he comes in to communicate with us, to talk to us, to listen to us, to fellowship with us. And that word sup is the Greek word meaning uh, dipneo, and it literally means the chief evening meal of the day. And Jesus is thinking of that picture of when the family comes together at the end of the day or even extended family are added to the table and everyone is enjoying fellowship together and talking with one another and discussing things. And it's that kind of fellowship that he wants to have with us. So we see it in the beginning and we see it right over in the end of Revelation. And again, Chapter 21, verse 3. And we go over to this beautiful scripture. And here John is looking into the 
eternal realm. Verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And so it begins in the beginning with communication. And it's not long after Adam and Eve are created that we read how they each night at the cool of the day, they walked and talked with God in the garden which he had created for them. And uh, he didn't, the Bible says he, he didn't come in the daytime because God established work right at the very beginning when God created Adam. One of the first things he did to Adam was give him a job. Yes, God believes in work. And he gave Adam the job of tending and guarding the garden and working hard in it. And so each day Adam worked in that garden but as the end of the day came and that beautiful cool breeze came and it was time to rest and time to fellowship, God came and he came and he walked with them and talked with them and told them of his ways. What wonderful times they must have been. In fact, I think that maybe Adam and Eve began their first day with God because God's first day after creating them was the day of rest. Remember that back in Genesis chapter 2, after God had spent six days creating the world, and then on chapter 2, verse 2, and on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. That means he made it holy, because in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. And I am sure that Adam and Eve would have been with him on that day, resting and fellowshipping, because the Sabbath day which was later given um, as a law. It wasn't then. It was just a principle. Um, it was later given again with the Ten Commandments. And it's given as a day for us to rest. And on that day of rest, it's a great day to fellowship. Now, there are many who keep the Sabbath day. There are many Gentile Christians who don't keep the Sabbath, but they keep Sunday as the Sabbath, well, I say that with a grain of salt because sadly, so many Christians today don't even keep Sunday like a Sabbath. They go to church and that's the end of that. Get home from church, go to their sports, go and do what they want to do. They haven't seen the vision that this is a day of rest, a day that is holy, a day that is set apart for God. And uh, anyway, 
It's also a day for fellowship. I, I love to think of that day as a day of fellowship, not only with family, but with the saints of God as we come together, as the Bible says, each week we come together, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but so much the more as we see the day approaching. Actually, when we look at the context of that scripture, let me go to it now. Hebrews chapter 10, it is. Hebrews 10 and the scripture preceding it. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, do you notice that that is all one sentence? It continues on. Let us consider one another to provoke one another unto good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. How can we provoke and encourage one another in good works and just in our faith if we're not meeting together? The only way we can do that to encourage one another, bless one another, is as we come together. And we see that is God's plan. He loves our togethering. Now, God has so many words for togethering in the Word of God. We have the words assembly, congregation, convocation, together, gathering, fellowship. Oh, just so many words, and they're repeated over and over. In fact, in the Old Testament, I found 12 different Hebrew words uh, to describe our assembling together. God didn't only use one word. It wasn't enough. He needed 12 different words to describe the assembling of his people together. And uh, hopefully we'll get on to those and I can share them with you uh, at some time. But at the moment, I just want to mention that. Um, but let's, yes, so we're talking about how that this is God's plan. Uh, Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God setteth the solitary in families. God wants every person to live in a family. Family is God's idea. Family is God's heart. Family is the way he planned for us to live. It's a togethering lifestyle. And as I mentioned before, we must watch that even in our families, we don't become isolated. It's easy in families for everyone to become isolated and just do their own thing. No, we are a family. Dear mothers, encourage family life, not isolation. Well, there will be times, of course, when, you know, different ones want to get away, read a book, do something, you know, on their own. 
but don't allow complete isolation. Really work on gathering time. Think of, you know, the way that you can do things together. Encourage doing things together. Plan doing things together. And uh, promote it uh, in your family. Be a togethering family. Amen. I hope you can all say amen to that. Now, I discovered an amazing scripture a while back, and it's found in uh, Romans 1, uh, verse 12. And it says, Paul was writing to the new Roman believers there, and he says that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, can I just go over that scripture with you? And let's look at it a little more closely. And when we see here, as Paul is writing, he's explaining to these new Christians that their faith is not an isolated faith. It's not just you and Jesus. Well, Yes, we can, we can get away in prayer and, and have our quiet time and our special times with the Lord. and It can be me and Jesus, but it can't be me and Jesus all the time because God wants us uh, to be a togethering, even in our faith. And, and if we are isolated, we will not grow as much as if we are with the saints because we do grow by encouraging and being with one another. And so he says that I may be comforted together. Notice that word. Together with you. Yeah, not just me. Together with you. By the mutual faith. Once again, that means our together faith. The word in the Greek is alanon. And it literally means one another. Every other place where that word is uh, used, it's the Greek word. Well, it's the English word. It's translated one another. So by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Do you notice that? Not just me and Jesus. You and me. It's a togethering. I love the passion translation of that scripture. It says, I yearn to come and be face to face with you and get to know you. Now, we can only get to know one another as we are with one another. We have to assemble. We have to get together. For I long to impart to you some spiritual gift that will empower you to stand strong in your faith. Now, this means that when we come together and are side by side, something wonderful will be released. We can expect to be co-encouraged and co-comforted by each other's faith. Do you get that? Face to face, side by side, encouraging one another. And I did a study about one anothering in the Word of God, and I found, guess how many one another's? I wonder if you can guess. Any children listening? Do you think you could 
guess how many times God says we are to do something special to one another? Well, let me tell you, and I'll see if you got it right. I found 41 different times where God tells us we are to one another, each other. How about that? Well, do you want to hear some of them? Maybe I'll read them to you. Now, of course, uh, there are scriptures to go with them all. And um, if you would like to get the scriptures, well, I'm happy to send them to you if you email me at nancy at org, or you can purchase 100 Days of Blessing number four because these one another's are mentioned in that book. Okay, number one, admonish one another. Bear one another's burdens. Bless one another. Take care and concern for one another. Comfort one another. Have compassion on one another. Confess your faults one to another. Consider one another. Do good to one another. Encourage one another. Edify one another. That means to build one another up. Esteem and delight in one another. Fellowship with one another. Forbear with one another. Forgive one another. Help one another with your gifts and abilities. We've all got gifts and abilities, special gifts that God has given to us. And uh, we can use those for um, remunerative uh, help for the family. But in that scripture, God says that he wants us to help one another just because of one anothering. We don't always have to get money for everything we do. We do it because we want to love one another. Uh, let's see, what's next? Yes, to honour and prefer one another. Show humility to one another. Practice hospitality to one another. Be kind to one another. Lay down your lives for one another. Be like-minded to one another. Look out for one another's interests. Love one another. Have peace with one another. Pray for one another. Realize we are members one of another. Receive one another as Christ received us. Rejoice with one another. Serve one another. Speak and sing to one another. Speak truth to one another. Stir up one another to love and good works. Suffer with one another. Submit to one another. Teach and instruct one another. Be tender-hearted to one another. Think more highly of one another than you do yourselves. Wash one another's feet. Be on the watch to look after one another. And weep and mourn for one another. Well, how about that? All those one another's. And for most of them, we need to be together. 
Now, these are beautiful things that we can operate in our own family lives. You do need that list of one another's. In fact, you need all the scriptures so you can read them with your family and and you can take one of them for a week and and you can just, you know, say, okay, children, let's make this one another something that is just so big in our family this week. Let's all do this together and work on it. And then you can do another one the next week. And you will find it such a wonderful blessing because there's such blessing in togethering and one anothering. Amen. Yes. Okay. So let's go on here. Yes, this is something I wanted to share with you too. And that is that when God decided, well, he did this back before even the world began because God's plans were in his heart before even the world began. And uh, he planned to take uh, out of the Chaldees a man named Abraham and to make from him a people, a people who would be a special people unto him, a people who would be a holy people unto him, although they haven't always been a holy people unto him throughout the years. But this is God's plan, and one day they eventually will be, as God fulfills all his promises for Israel. But as God began to create a people and an example people for all of us to follow, and those of us who would become the children of Abraham by faith, uh, he, he established certain things. Now, God is a God of order. We see this in many scriptures. I'm just thinking now of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. That wonderful scripture that we all know so well, where it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even for evermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so we see that God orders his kingdom. He made Israel to be a kingdom of priests. Now we who have been born again into his kingdom, in Revelation it tells us that he has made us kings and priests unto God. And we have become part of his kingdom. And it's a kingdom that's not just haphazard, that just anything happens at any old time. No, God orders his kingdom. Did you hear that? Yes, Isaiah 9, verse 7. To 
order it. And so God planned times and seasons for his people to come uh, and be in his presence and also to come together. God understands who we are, and although we, especially those of us who now live in this age and live in this age of grace, and, and uh, we are so blessed to uh, receive the Holy Spirit into our lives and to have fellowship with the Father, with the Lord Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit. As it says in 1 John 1, 7. Um, let's see. Let me read that scripture to you. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so he, he wants us to have fellowship with him and also with one another. And so we can do that. We can do it 24-7. How wonderful to just be able to talk to the Lord whenever you want. But God also established times and seasons. And uh, so I thought I would just share some of these with you. Most of these, of course, are what God established for Israel. And, uh, you know, we today are the Gentile church, and we specifically are not commanded to, uh, you know, to come together on certain of these feasts. But did you know something? We can. We can if we want to. Because interestingly, these feasts and celebrations and many of them are called holy convocations, meaning God calls his people to come together at a certain time in a certain place. They were very special to God, very special uh, to him. And we can also enjoy them if we want to, because if we go to Leviticus chapter 23, where it talks about these feasts, it doesn't call them the feasts of the Jews or the feasts of Israel. It calls them the feasts of the Lord. They are the Lord's feasts. And every one of these feasts reveals Jesus. It reveals the truth about Christ it reveals our salvation. It reveals so much of what he wants us to understand. And to keep them can be a wonderful, beautiful thing, even for us as a Christian. But he starts off with a daily meeting. God's uh, gatherings are appointments. Actually, that's another one of the meanings of some of the Hebrew words for assembling uh, and for togethering, quite a number of the words mean an appointment, an appointed time. And uh, so firstly, God establishes daily appointments with him. Now, Colin, my husband, and I 
have been talking to you about them in the last couple of podcasts and how um, in the tabernacle uh, we see the wonderful truth of the morning and evening principle and how God wanted his people to come and, uh, you know, to do their offerings. It says before the Lord. That means in the presence of the Lord. And they were to come every morning and every evening to do the sacrifice of the Lamb. They were to come every morning and every evening to keep the fire lit so that it would never go out. They were to come together every morning and every evening to light uh, the candlestick, to keep that uh, light burning. They were to come together, uh, come into his presence every morning and every evening to light the incense, which speaks of the prayers of the saints. And so we've talked to you all about that. If you didn't hear those, go back and listen to those podcasts. You can also go to my webpage and pick up the morning evening principle and learn more about it. But that is a principle. It's a daily thing. Something God wants us to do daily, morning and evening. Something we do in our our home every morning, every evening. And uh, we make sure that everything in our lives fits around it. We don't fit this around what we have to do or we never do it. We make sure we do this and everything else can fit around that because it is so important. Although you can go one step further, Yes, because there were those in the Bible who not only came before the Lord two times a day, but three times. Do you remember how David came before the Lord three times a day? We read in Psalm 55, 7, where David said, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. David couldn't get enough of the presence of the Lord. He came three times a day. And do you remember Daniel? Daniel also came three times a day. And we read about this when he was faced um, going into the lion's den. And it says in Daniel 6.10, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. In other words, this is what Daniel's habit was every day of his life. And even when he was faced with being thrown into the lion's den for kneeling down and praying, He did not waver. He continued in his habit of three times a day. So you can choose two times a day, morning and evening. I think that's the least. Or you can even go to three times a day if you want. Um, I love the story of um, the Pent family. I wonder if any of you have read that story called Ten Peas in a Pod. Well, I think I'll tell you about it next podcast because our time has gone. Let's pray. 
Dear Father, I thank you so much for the revelation of your truth. Lord God, you created us for fellowship, for communication, for togethering. Help us, Lord, to be uh, this kind of family. I pray that you'll help us all to to just promote and encourage uh, togethering times. Lord, you delight in our togethering times. And we thank you. You are a God who loves to gather. And so we praise you and we bless you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.